everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio. In the morning, you're with the Double L team, Larland. Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? Oh, so great. That is absolutely so awesome. amazing. Just Fantastic stuff. Like, incredibly well. And, and why is this? Grateful and, oh, well, you know, just. Yeah, like, because God is good, right? Yeah, amen, amen. And God is still alive, and God is blessing in your life, and that's right. God rules in heaven, rules on earth, rules in your heart. Yep. And what else? Could, oh well, what else could, could be better than that? Well, nothing could be better than that. But this weekend, um, we just, dude, it's just like the best thing ever. Being able to go to church and seeing people face to face. Yes, it's like just so incredible and this weekend we came to the end of our our series it ran over over the whole week it was a 10 part series that came to the end of itself on saturday and it was just so good like spending time with people seeing people make decisions to follow jesus seeing people making decisions to to get baptized and give their life to christ uh at the moment i'm I'm working for a church and in this church we've run this series and it's kind of like yeah the pinnacle of our year and i I mentioned a couple of weeks ago like how it's just so botched so many problems so many pushbacks and delays but ultimately we got to the end and you know in the closing moments people are making decisions to follow jesus making decisions to give their heart to him and i was like just praising god like from a from a my job perspective i'm like oh yeah this is you know this the success at the end of the tunnel this is me you know uh like yeah it's it's um reaping the success from my job but as a christian i'm like this is success for god you know and so it, i was just so moved. It was really powerful. I'm just stoked. I'm just happy. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. It, um, you know, it's one of those things that there are so many lonely people in the world, and you and I have such a great social life because we're a part of a church. That's so true. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have a look at some positively different news. Lyle, guess what? What? Like, no, like, you really, like, this is important. Okay. This is re- Lyle. They've yes. released research. Mm. You, mm, me, can drink water. Yes. Out of the tap. This is a very good thing because I've been doing that for like my whole life. <laughs> no, I came across this article, you know, getting into research specifically in, in Dublin, in Ireland, um, where they're talking about essentially like why tap water and the, like the impurities within tap water are actually a good thing. I feel like we're, it's particularly my generations. I have multiple friends. This is, this may be a personal problem, but I have multiple friends who avoid tap water like the plague. Um, even though you can, dude, if you just make tap water cold, it tastes good. They're like, oh, it tastes so bad. And it's just like, if you just make it cold, then it tastes good. Or uh, not cold. If you just drink it, then I, it tastes I, fine. I don't like cold tap water. I like tap water as tap, tap water temperature. Or often I'll run a little bit of warm. Oh, okay. Bring that, it up, bring it up to that ambient look. I like my, I like my water look warm. Dude. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I, that says about me, but dude, I don't mind lukewarm water to brush my teeth with. That okay. actually, it's it's quite nice. Here's the thing with lukewarm water: is that when lukewarm water hits your stomach, it passes through the quickest. Mm-hmm. So if you drink ice cold water or you know hot tea, something like that, what happens is that your stomach will have to change the temperature of the water to body temperature before it 
does anything with it. Before it absorbs, yeah. So that makes it go through slower. Mm. Whereas if you drink it at, you know, just lukewarm temperature, it just straight through and does its, does its thing and it does a good job and you can get on with life and you're happy. Dude, totally. Well, I was reading in this article, essentially, like, these impurities, specifically the elements and minerals in water, actually help to break down microplastics. Like, and uh, no, 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 actually, to do the opposite. Hold on. Let me let me explain this. Break down in the sense that it doesn't break down. Actually, what it does is instead of letting p- plastic break down into microplastics, which then you consume and are very toxic and bad for you, it preserves the plastic whole so that they can actually be filtered out of the water by the filtration system. So, so like, this is a super important point. I feel like a lot of people, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, these minerals in the water, they're, no, 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 they're actually protecting you. Um, something interesting that the article also cited is that, you know, when you use a kettle, like a lot, and you sometimes get a bit of a, a brown film going on on the inside and you can tend to feel like when I see that, I'm kind of like, oh, that's gross. Like I want to buy a new kettle mm-hmm. when the kettle starts to browning. Dude, this article said that's a good thing. That's just the minerals, like the metal minerals from the water lining. Don't, if you, don't you just get like kidney stones and stuff like that if you drink lots of minerals? No, but like that's the thing, Lyle, is that it's it's not too much minerals. It's just enough to protect us. And what this is saying is that, yeah, like having that kind of, obviously you should probably clean your kettle, but having like that kind of brownish tinge happen to your kettle is not because, you know, the water's dirty, but it's actually a good thing protecting you again from microplastics within the kettle itself. Like so that, so that the microplastics in the, in the kettle can't break down and contaminate your body. That's cool. So I was like, I was reading this. That's very like, cool. That's awesome. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Personally, then I have like a the, there's like these water filter jugs that you can buy that like you you tip tap water into filters the water and you drink it from there. But like the fact that the water is coming from the tap is not a bad thing. So I want to put this out there. This goes to a few friends in my mind. But maybe you're out there. Maybe you're spending you know exorbitant amount of money, exorbitant amounts of money on on bottled water because you know that's just your thing. I, I'm gonna tell it to you straight right now uh you don't have to do that um, dude in other news i came across this morning a um a new company a new startup that has started it's called studio lazarini and their whole thing is making amphibious cars and their first big project is yes. making an amphi- like converting cars with custom kits like not making an amphibious car but They're taking my suzuki alto yes I think a couple of uh, tubes on the outside, and it would pretty much float. Dude, their first project that they're in process in the process of making right now is a like nineteen sixties model um, combi van, like Volkswagen, like a combi. split screen. Like it, yeah, it's got split screen. Yes, split screen. Yeah, split screen combi. Split screen there combi you go. And they're turning Epic. it into a boat. Yes, I'm like, this is the ultimate van life. Like, imagine. You just drive a van so around. So does it have a PTO that drives a propeller off the main engine, or you got to put an outboard on it? Um, no. So the, yeah, they're making a con- like off you know the um, the flywheel and everything. Yes, they're making a conversion kit PTO shaft. That's right. Nice. So that means, dude, you can just get all. They're like doing it with a. They're, you know, they should do it with like some of these Land Rovers and 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 Land Cruisers and stuff like that. That actually have a uh, a PTO port on their transfer case already that you can bolt something up to. Man, they should do it on my Subaru. 
even though it's all drive, all drive propellers. Uh, just put, just put. Uh, you just need fittings that go over the tires. Thunk, you just just push oh, on, totally. and they're like paddles. Be paddle wheeler. Oh, man, I, but I want this. I'm like, dude, I just want to drive my Subaru into a lake and not drown. Like, just drive across Lake Macquarie. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> it would be perfect out, where we live. Legit. It's yeah. like, oh, I just want to go to Swansea. Like, just jump across the lake. How good. No traffic worry to worry about. No, you don't have to. You know, it goes from a 40-minute trip to like a 12-minute trip. That would be so <laughs> awesome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Great stuff. Okay, so um, uh, what? Just give us that again with the number. One oh, more that's right. Okay, so the question, oh, the the clue is: What prophet anointed the young David as Israel's king to succeed? Saul zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer, and you can get two hundred points on the board or an issue of Science Magazine. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so uh, one of our listeners has texted in to remind us that October thirty one was Reformation Day. You might have been surprised to know that that was Reformation Day because you would be thinking, of course, that it was Halloween because you no doubt saw lots of children all over the place who were wandering around trick-or-treating on the streets and wondering what that was. Well, wondering, you know, no, we're not wondering about, but you probably didn't stop to think that it was Reformation Day. Why is it Reformation Day? Because that is the day in history that Martin Luther posted 95 Theses on the church door of the church in Wittenberg. Now, the reason, of course, that Martin Luther did this on Halloween, you might wonder, why would he do that on Halloween? The answer is very simple, is that Halloween is also known as All Saints Day. This was a day that was adopted out of paganism, the pagan worship of uh, Samhain, and adopted into Christianity, and of course uh, became a day in which people would travel to the church to look at the relics of the saints. And they would do this so that they could earn themselves brownie points to get into heaven. And so the church would bring out all of its bones and relics and bits and pieces and maybe a tuft of hair or a piece of wood or something like that. And you could go and view those. And by doing so, you would earn yourself several million years less in purgatory. Yeah. And so because the church was going to be full that day of people passing through it, Martin Luther chose Halloween as the day to, well... I guess he wasn't really expecting it, but to start the Reformation. Mm. So somebody, uh, one of our listeners, uh, texted in to share that with us, which was uh, just great stuff. And he, he nailed it to the, the door of the church. That's like the most gnarly trick-or-treat of all time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the most, is the single most impactful, you know, knocking on a door experience. <laughs> I would I would not recommend doing this to somebody who has Your the neighbor. house decorated with Halloween Trimmings by going and nailing up actually 95, so, 95 theses on the door. That would be so hilarious. In old like, German? If you just like went to the door and you like got a thumbtack and you had <laughs> like a, a massive sheet of paper and you just thumbtacked it on and then knocked on the door and then ran away. Oh, we should come up with something for next Halloween. That is so funny. That. We should come up with a, a, a Halloween trick for next Halloween. That is so good. It involves a modernised 95 Theses. Yeah. Maybe but, have five because the, we have much shorter attention spans these and, days. And our whole, our whole, the whole point is to thwart people <laughs> enjoying Halloween. Indeed it That's is. Awesome. Indeed it is. All right, let's talk about uh, what's happening in the UK. So BBC has uh, just uh, released an investigative uh, documentary 
um, and and basically asking the questions: How many? So, how did so many government departments embrace radical gender ideology so quickly? Mm. Because this really happened overnight in a very short space of time. Um, you, you know, and and you've got things like the word mother removed from you know maternity guidelines. You've got men being transferred to women's prisons. You've got men in women's sports. You've got uh, children being ta- taught that they were born in the wrong body. You know, etc. 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 And the last couple of years, it's just gone from nobody says that. To everybody says that. And if yep. you don't say that, then you are kind of weird, which has left the average person on the street sort of standing back and scratching their heads and wondering, what just happened? Yeah. So the BBC looked into it to find out, how did that change so fast? Wow. All right. Um, it has now been revealed uh, that this was due to a lobby group called Stonewall. So this is a lobby group existing in the UK. And... Uh, in effect, what happened was you had the different government departments began competing for diversity awards. So basically, if you've got enough money, you can buy the society that you want because you just buy the government because you make these diversity awards available and suddenly everybody wants these diversity awards and so they'll start competing for them to see how diverse they can be. And if they're more diverse and they win a cash prize, right? That's yes. the point? Okay. Yes, that's the point. Um, okay, but not only that, what the BBC has found out that many, most of these departments actually signed up as members of Stonewall to become eligible. So to be eligible for these uh, uh, awards, you've got to actually be a member of it. So that's like really inappropriate because you've got a government department who's now a member of a lobby group, a paid member of a lobby group. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, so the question is, Fine, we can understand that now because we can look at the UK and see how they changed so quickly. But what about Australia? We changed just as fast. How did that happen in Australia? Mm. Well, the fact is that here in Australia, we have our own version of Stonewall. And because we have our own version of Stonewall, we have exactly the same thing taking place. Ours is called, uh, let me see here. Woodbridge. It's called Pride in Diversity. Ah, okay. And it's linked to Stonewall. Okay. They're a, a sister organisation. They uh, act in concert with each other just in different parts of the world. And so if you look at what's going on there, you can say, for instance, look at the ABC rather than the BBC. And it's already received the Gold Employer Award, the Most Improved Award, the Best Media Companion Award from uh, this particular group called Pride in Diversity. Now, you might be wondering, well, how many of our government departments are paid members of this lobby group? Mm. How many of our government departments in Australia do you think are paid members of this lobby group? I you know, this is like really inappropriate, it's t- dude. Totally, like this is, you know, I, 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 you couldn't necessarily call the LGBT community a church, but it's definitely like a mix of it's ideology. An ideology. And no, state. absolutely, very much. Yeah. So. Okay, so, ha- so, so before I go into that, how does the government department provide, you know, impartial advice when it's a paid member of a lobby group? Mm. How is that even possible? And you know, it kind of makes the bizarre sense make sense now because. We understand how did this happen. They're, they're competing awards. Since 2019, there's not been a single public service agency that has supported uh, single-sex sports, single-sex uh, facilities, and the biological scientific defin- definition of women. Mm. Not a single one. Um, okay, so let me give you a list then. 
These are the paid members of this particular lobby group, the Attorney General's Department, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Education and Training, Department of Jobs and Small Business, the Department of Defence, the Department of Finance, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, DFAT, uh, the Department of Health, the Department of Home Affairs, the Department of Human Services, the Department of Infrastructure, Regional Development and Cities, the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, the Department of Social Services, the DSS, the Department of the Treasury, the Australian Border Force, the Australian Bureau of Meteorology, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, that's the ACCC, the Australian Federal Police, the AFP, the Australian Public Service Commission, the Australian Research Council, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, um, ASIC, the Australian Taxation Office, ATO, Australian Trade and Investment Commission, the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Re- Research Organisation, CSIRO, uh, Geoscience Australia, IP Australia, National Disability Insurance Agency, National uh, Indigenous Australians Agency, Office of the Commonwealth of the Ombudsman, Office of the Work of the Ombudsman and Safe Work Australia. That is a lot, lot of, of government departments that are members of a single lobby group who pay them for to pay them and give them awards for including radical gender ideology as the 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 most radical gender ideology that they can these are all the government departments that are paid members of this lobby group and competing against each other for these awards. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Third question of the pentathlon. The prize for our third question is an amazing facts pocket sermon. And that third question is, what leader's death preceded the Israelites' descent into Baal worship? I actually read this this morning. On, well, I didn't. I listened to it on the way here. I read some other stuff before I got in the car. There you go. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. And again, that question was: What leader's death preceded the Israelites' descent into Baal worship? All right. If you know the answer, then there is a prize available. So give us a call, 0491-064-669. And, of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, Kelvin Langman is here. He is our resident expert on all things weird, wonderful, wacky, and obscure in the Bible. Uh, Kelvin, what are we talking about this morning? Well, oh, we're talking about trees. Trees, okay. Oh, like in trees. particular, but the Bible talks about um, weird things like t- trees that talk. It also talks yes. about... Yes. Trees that clap their hands. Now, I don't know about you, but it's pretty weird if you're watching a tree and a tree claps its hands. I've never seen a tree with hands, so I've never seen a tree that claps its hands. I have I have seen trees, and this is actually unusual, is when you get two branches that are banging against each other. You never really see that in trees. You don't. It's quite unusual. Trees, are, trees are very smart. They're very intelligent how they mm. don't grow that way. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of freak out. If I saw a tree clapping its hands, to be honest, but you know, maybe that's just me. But yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've been looking at different aspects of different trees in the Bible, and one of the things I've been looking at is the almond tree. So Jeremiah, if you want to look with me, Jeremiah chapter one. All right, Jeremiah chapter one. Let's uh, head over there and see what we can find. And if you can read verse nine to ten, Jeremiah chapter one. 
All right, Lawson, go for it there. What have you got? Jeremiah chapter nine, uh, chapter one, verse nine and ten. The Bible says, "Then the Lord reached out His hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant." Yep. So here Jeremiah is um, told that he's he's got something important to do for the nation. Mm-hmm. So it's actually foretelling of what was to come. Mm. Like Jeremiah, what what kind of a prophet was he? Well, he started off as a young man, um, and he was. I, yeah, we, what, oh, he, he was he was probably one of the most real of all of the prophets when I read what Jeremiah writes mm. because he was somebody who didn't hide his feelings. Mm. You know, I think that most of us, as you know, particularly particularly us blokes, we tend to hide our feelings. Whereas Jeremiah, if he felt down, he'd write about it. Mm. If he felt up, he would write about it. You you know where Jeremiah was at. Yep. In terms of his like uh, time period and his purpose as a prophet, he was like the he was like the apocalyptic prophet to the to the uh to the specifically to the israelites in terms of like their world was about to pretty much end uh you know you've got the broader apocalyptic prophets like john and daniel and whatnot but he was like he was like put in a specific time period to tell them uh your world's about to end pretty much so some prophets were encouraging them to do good and other prophets came along and warned them of the foreboding doom that would come, the mm. impending. And this is this is what I see with Jeremiah. Mm. So he's um, he's warning them to go ahead and, and you know change, improve your ways. Um, so in verse eleven, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree. Why the branch of an almond tree? What's so important about the branch of an almond tree? Well, I like almonds. Yeah, he needs to make some milk, maybe? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe he's got a milk allergy. Yeah, that's right. He's, um, he's lactose intolerant. The Lord said to me, verse 12, You have seen correctly, for I am... Who, who is the I am? Uh, oh, I am. I am. I it's am what? God. The self-existent one. I, I am watching. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is very important here because the, the word almond can also be translated as watcher or watching. Really? I did not know that. Yep. So when God um, describes an almond tree, it's an illustration of himself watching over the nation. Okay, 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 okay. Let Let me roll this back in my mind. That is super interesting. So the Hebrew word for almond can be also translated as Watcher. Watcher, yeah. So when the Bible says a watchtower, mm-hmm. it's actually, you would, in the Hebrew, you would almost read it an almond tower. Yeah. But it's like context to know, like. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Which, that is incredible. And it, it's very interesting. When you go ahead and read it in its context, the Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to mm. see that my word is fulfilled. Mm See, that makes so much more sense now because initially it's like, what do you see? I see an almond tree. You've seen correctly because I am the one who is watching. And I'm like, what's that got to do with an almond tree? Now I understand exactly what it has to do with an almond tree. But it's I've very never known this before. It's very interesting. He says, what do you see? A watcher sees. Yes. So here Jeremiah, he's calling Jeremiah to be a watcher. Mm. So what does a watcher do? A watcher watches over and oversees to make sure everything's done properly. That's right. So here... God is doing the right thing 
he is judge. Mm. But he calls Jeremiah to watch over and judge as well to see that God is, is good. That's see? amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Okay. Yes. Look, um, God judges. We say that God, we're ready for the judgment, for God to judge. But when we get to heaven, who's going to judge? Well, we do. That's yeah. what the Bible says, Revelation chapter 20. Judgment but was. Who do we judge? Well, we don't judge people. We judge God Himself. We will look at God's righteous decisions and uphold His. We judge right God's. Hand. We judge God's judgment. Yes, mm. and that's what. And that's what God is calling Jeremiah to do right here: yep. is to judge my judgment and to be a witness, to be a testimony that I am a righteous judge. Dude, that is exactly what happens because literally all the people are about to be destroyed, like because yeah. by, and, by and, Babylon. And, and a lot of those it. people would get would get pretty sore about you know the fact that their nation has been destroyed and be tempted to blame God, except that God has appointed a witness. Mm. He's appointed Jeremiah, mm. mm-hmm. and Jeremiah is like, "You be a witness." And when they get salty about the fact that they've lost their nation, you can turn around and say, "Look, I warned you. I said this would happen. You know, God warned you. God said this would happen. You made these decisions. You brought this on yourself." Mm. And he would be the witness that God is just and that God is merciful and God is all-loving. And that even though they don't deserve to be alive and don't deserve to still continue and exist as a nation, they still do. Mm. Yep. Beautiful illustration. So I'll share with you verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting towards us from the north. Uh Uh-oh. Boiling water. What's what's the point? What's the, what's well, the that, illustration that, that, here? Uh, that that sounds a little bit like it might. If it's point, if it's if it's starting to tilt towards us, mm-hmm. a boiling pot of water that is tilting your direction, I'd be I'd be out of there. I'd I'd be running away. That's going to scald you. Yeah. If you were in a city and you were being attacked, you would pour over the wall pots of boiling water or boiling oil. Yes, preferably oil if you could get your hands on it. If you can, that does most. Harm because you can't wash it off. It sends a shiver down my spine. Sticks on your skin and you can't wash it off. Terrible stuff. So there's there's also a little bit of an illustration here that there's a bit of a battle. There's a bit of a war going on, you know, Mm. and you've got to fight evil. Um, And that's why you've got this boiling water being poured on anyone that's attacking you. It's going to be in the way. So it's very interesting here. Um, The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. So this is, he's, he's telling this to the nation of Israel, and it's not nice. Like having this uh, potential doom poured out on you. So Jeremiah, it's, an, it's not a nice uh, message to bring to the nation. These are God's chosen people. Mm. You know, and yet to have to bear this, um, poor old Jeremiah. Um, but it, it's very interesting when you look um, at Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 27, God repeats it and says, Behold, I will watch. And the word watching there, we mentioned before, it's the word almond, uh-huh. but it can also mean shaking, the mm. shaking. So it's the sifting. Um, it's also like a time of, of trouble. But it's, Behold, I will watch over them for evil and not for good. Isn't God good? Why does God watch over for evil? Why is he watching for evil? Wouldn't God want to watch for good? Doesn't he want to reward righteousness? Why is he watching for evil? Is God evil? Why does he watch for evil? Mm. It's a very well, unusual it's statement. It's a very unusual statement, and, and, and maybe it's because, yeah, I don't know. Where are you going to go with this one, Kelvin? Tell us all about it. <laughs> well, 
this this is one that you could easily read it and get um, lost quite easily. But when you compare the Bible with the Bible, you look at Luke 6 verse 38. It's one of my favorites. A good measure pressed down. How many of you know that verse? Pressed down, shaken, shaken together. Shaken together. And overflowing. And overflowing shall be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So God will judge you, but he won't use any different judgment to the judgment that you use on others. You see? So what's another verse? Um, you've got Matthew 26, verse 52. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. By the sword. So by your own measure, by your own standard, you'll be judged and life will happen mm. back to you. So it's important for us as followers of Christ to be a good person, to be a nice person to others, because other religions might understand that like as karma or yin and yang or something like that. But I see God is actually judging us, but he's not going to use any other judgment than the judgment that we use. So when we are um, condemned, it's ourselves that condemn us, not God. God doesn't need to condemn us because it's us. So here we have in Jeremiah 40, 20, 44, 27, Behold, I will watch over them for evil. So if we do evil, evil will come back to us. So it's not God pushing that evil on us. It's actually us putting it back on ourselves. But he's watching for the evil, if that makes sense. Because he's talking to an evil people. These are his righteous mm. Well, it should be his They're supposed people. to be his righteous they're people, but they're actually, yes, they've wandered away, far away from God. Yes. Um, so it's, I thought, quite an in-depth topic when you get into it. Like, it's all about the almond tree. Yeah, well, so, who would have thought that you could get so much out of an almond tree? Let's, let, yeah, when you look at that, you, you look at the fruits, that by their fruits you shall know them, right? So the fruit of the almond, and it's what's very interesting, that the almond tree is the first tree to blossom, but the last one to bear fruit. So there's a big gap between the two. So there's a bit of a spiritual application there. I'm, as well. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Finish that, finish that thought. Well, I was going to move on. Um, where am I going from there? Well, we're kind of running a little bit out of time. Right? <laughs> time has gone really fast. Um, but, crazy. you know, I was just sort of thinking about how did the almond and watching ever you know, how did that ever come around to be the same thing? And maybe it's because Middle Eastern people uh, from this particular part of Asia have almond-coloured eyes. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a connection there. You know, maybe if they were blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, this would never have been in our Bibles, but they weren't. They had brown eyes like almonds. It could just be like a play on words, which oh, as well, it, which would also be very, like, poignant to the reader. Like, the Hebrew reader is like, whoa, whoa, that's cool. God's a poet. Yeah. Uh, Lawson, uh, Kelvin, we wish we had more time to get into your other um, issues you've got there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.